it is all about timing. And I say that not only because this episode is about timing, about the perfect time, but I say that because timing wise, I think it's a good time for me to no longer put my somewhat long beginning intro into my podcast because for you, for those of you who have been listening to me regularly, I also think it's the perfect time to thank you guys for actually listening to me consistently. And I know this because I see my numbers are growing exponentially and I cannot thank you enough. I mean, I know people say that all the time and I even say that all the time when I'm marketing my podcast on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn or anywhere else you can see me on social media, but I truly sincerely mean it. I really think, matter of fact, let's give you guys a round of applause because I think you guys deserve it. You know, I, I truly, truly, truly appreciate you guys. And again, I can't thank you enough. And with that being said, like I said, this episode is about timing the perfect time and um let's see is there a perfect time yes and no and what i mean by that is yeah if if big if you can get all your chips to line up where you need them to be and you've been planning this for a while and everything is in order to exactly the way you need it to be then yes it is the perfect time to jump and do what you feel is right for your future, for your career. But the odds of that happening are slim to none. I mean, I'm not saying that it can't be done, but it is almost, well, I won't, I won't use a word as extreme as impossible, but it is extremely difficult to have all your ducks in a row, uh, when you're ready to jump and make your move to being fully 100% financially independent, self-employed, something like that. You know, it is, it is, difficult to have everything in the row. So is there a perfect time? Well, if you go by gut feeling, yeah, there is a perfect time because there's going to come a time in your career. If you're anything like me, who hates the nine to five? Yeah. The nine to five. Yeah. Your check is guaranteed, but are you really happy being there? You know, it's going to come a time in your gut where no matter how safe and I use that with quotes, air quotes, how safe you think your job is, is going to come a time where you're just going to have to get out of there. You're just not going to want to be there because you're no longer going to be happy being there. I actually, honestly, I'm not even doing this for the sake of content. I actually had this discussion with my mom last night and she was telling me, you know, she, you know, I've been honest with you guys. There are some serious ups and downs that come with being self-employed. There are times when I'll go a month or more without making a single quarter. But, and I'm talking quarter like dollars, cents, change, dimes, 10 cents, nickels, dollars, whatever the case may be. There'll go a time where I'll go a month or two without making a single quarter. And that is extremely stressful. You know, I can't even quantify that, uh, how stressful it is. I'm just saying, I mean, on a scale of one to 10, it's a hundred on how stressful it is when you're not making any money. However, there are also those times when when you wake up, the first email you see, it's a job that you've been trying to land that you finally do land that's big enough to pay you not only for the lost wages from those two months prior, but to sustain you for the next two to three months to come. So, and, and it's jacked up because you can't base a statistic on it. 
you know, so there, you know, back, back again, what's the perfect time? You don't know. You don't know other than your gut feeling or unless you have all your ducks in a row, but you can't base a statistic on, I always have trouble saying statistics, <laughs> but anyway, um, you can't make a statistic on when your money's going to come in sometimes because it, it it's random. My schedule is random. My schedule is completely arbitrary. My rates are sometimes completely arbitrary because you make them up as you go. You find gigs as you go. You know, you might have a couple of clients that you are their go-to. I think we discussed that before in uh, prior episodes, previous episodes. You know, you want to be that go-to and I'll just use photography. You know, I'm a, ph- a photographer, photo editor, videographer, video editor, all that stuff. I'll use that as a, as a reference. You know, I want to be that go-to photographer uh, or photo editor for my clients. But again, you don't know when they're going to need your services, you know, and more importantly, you can't bank on them always using you. Yeah, you want to do your best to make sure that they come back to you all the time. But sometimes the market dictates if they can afford to come back to you or not. So, you know, so going back to uh, really quickly when I was having the discussion, having the discussion with my mom last night talking about a nine to five, you know, she's in a different generation than we are. I'm 46, you know, I'm not that far removed from my mom's generation, but far enough removed to the point where sadly, unfortunately, a lot of us are not going to be able to retire from our current nine to fives. And the way the market is changing, the way the world is changing, a lot of our nine to fives are, if they aren't, if they weren't already, there are at will nine to fives, meaning they can hire and fire you at will without rhyme or reason. I hate that feeling knowing somebody has that much control over me. Yeah, my freelance clients that I have to seek out, they have control over whether they want to work with me or not. But ultimately, if they don't want to work with me, I can go find another. Yeah, you can probably go find another nine to five, but we already know how hard that is. It's just as hard as me searching for gigs on a daily basis. But the difference is the nine to five to me, just to me and I, well, not just to me, to me and my fellow entrepreneurs out there who hate the nine to five world as much as I do. The nine to five world gives a false sense of security, you know, because you think your job is secure. You're doing a good job. You're being the best employee. You show up every day on time or early. You clock out five minutes late, not to steal overtime, but but just to show your dedication to the job. And even with that much dedication of showing up early and leaving late, one day they could just wake up and be like, you know what? We don't need such and such anymore. You know, he or she was cool, but now it's time to move on false sense of security because you thought I'm being a good employee. There's no way they can fire me. Yeah. Well, let me give you a little business one-on-one that I discovered early on, even before I became self-employed. When I was thinking about my future in the nine to five world or the career American dream world, if you want to call it that, I, I went to Cal State Long Beach. I dropped out of Cal State Long Beach, you know, so I could pursue my own dreams because at the time I felt I was learning more outside of class than I was learning inside of class. And, you know, for those who graduated college, you know, hey, let me give you a round of applause. But that wasn't for me. You know, college, I was under the impression that college guaranteed a successful career, a successful future, but not so much, at least not for me. But I do have some friends who actually graduated and they're making a killing, making having a great living. And, you know, again, I applaud them for, for following their dreams and doing it. But for me, it, it, it just wasn't the case. But when I was in college, I would see 
I went to Cal State Long Beach at the time. It was, you know, from 93 to 98, 99-ish, something like that. I don't know. I had to talk to my friends and they could verify those dates. But, you know, anyway, what I would notice is the business administration, the the business courses, rather, the business section of the school was always impacted because a lot of kids wanted to learn business so they could go into business for themselves. But I, I paid attention to the fact that the business section was overcrowded and impacted and it was hard to get into that. But more importantly, I paid attention to the fact that if the business section is overcrowded and not everybody was in there to learn how to run a business for themselves, but they were in there to learn how to get a career in a fortune 500 type of business, you know, a, a career that can sustain them for their lives and give them a pension and they can buy their house with the picket fence and have 2.3 children and 2.3 cars <laughs> or whatever the, the dream is. Right. But what I noticed is if this department is impacted, where are these same students going to go when they enter the job world? And then it made me think about the job world. Well, you know, business 101 for me, at least, is if I'm running a business and I have a bunch of employees and just say my my business generates more revenue on volume, the speed of my employees. And I have some employees that have been working with me for 20, 30 years. Yeah, part of me, the friendship side of me wants to be loyal to my employees, the people that I came up with. But friendship aside, business only you got to look at the business standpoint. And what I'm talking about is just say I have an employee that's been working with me for 20 or 30 years. Over the course of those 20 or 30 years, he or she has earned, let's say, 50 to 60 grand a year. But their production, their productivity has slowed down as it naturally would or should as it comes with age. As we get older, we get slower. It, it's just a part of life, right? But from a business standpoint, I'm looking at it like this. I hired Let's just say John. I hired John when John was 20. John's been working with me for 30 years. John is now 50. When John was 20, he would produce um, 50 projects a week. But now that John is 50, John has slowed down to doing 30 projects a week. And I'm paying John 50 to 60 grand a year. But then here comes little Tommy out of college. Tommy is 20 years old like John was when I first hired him. And Tommy can produce 60 projects a week. And Tommy, because he's fresh out of college and with student student loan debt, he's willing to accept 30 grand a year. So not only am I saving money by getting rid of John and uh, getting rid of that $60,000 overhead salary that I had to pay, now I'm getting a younger, fresher employee that's going to work twice as hard for a fraction of the pay. Business 101, you know, I mean, that's just how the business world works. So I try to explain that to my mom when I'm talking to her. And, you know, it's like you put all your eggs into this business. That business can let you go whenever they feel like it. For whatever reason, you can't sue. You can be mad and cuss and throw a fit and all that. But at the end of the day, they'll let you go. You know, I got let go when I was working at Hertz. I worked at Hertz for 12 something years. And the program that I was working for through Hertz, it ended and thankfully, I, I truly cannot thank them enough. When they laid us off, they actually gave us a severance check that lasted us a year. I took that severance check over the course of that year and built my business, which I am still, you know, give myself a round of applause for that. 
I am still maintaining, sustaining to this day. But what about the businesses that don't do that? You know, so again, goes back to, you know, the job security of the nine to five world. The nine to five world is not for me. So you have to ask yourself again, the perfect time. In previous episodes, I mentioned saving your money. If you feel like I feel that inevitably your job is going to let you go or it's not going to sustain you to your retirement years, you need to start saving now. I mean, I'm talking sacrificing whatever fun that you normally would have, especially right now because the pandemic was on. It's easy to save a lot of money because you're not going anywhere, right? Yeah, we all go crazy and shop on Amazon, or at least I know I did. I'd shop on Amazon like it was going like like it was going out of style, man, you know, because I'm bored. I'm just sitting in the house. I mean, yeah, I'm an introvert. I don't mind being in the house, but at the same token, I still like to have fun. And for me, fun was shopping online. But if we're going back to preparing ourselves for that perfect time to start our own businesses, to take that jump, that leap of faith, that jump. First step, you got to start saving money because you don't know what the future holds. Yeah, I mean, if whatever you can sacrifice, whatever you can afford to save, you need to do that. Hopefully, hopefully you can save enough for at least six months of turbulence, but preferably a year, a year's worth of income. If you could, if not, hey, you know, at minimum two months, three months, if you have that much faith in your business and you feel it's going to take off or if you're doing what I was doing, burning the candle on both ends, I would go to Hertz all day, work all day. And then after I would leave Hertz, I would come home and do my photography all day long. You know, I was building my photography so that when Hertz inevitably let, laid us off, I can continue what I had already started to build with my photography along with saving. You know, because even though I was building my photography, it wasn't no guarantee that it was just going to take off and keep going and keep sustaining itself. And even that I've established myself in my photography career, it still has its ups and downs. And that's where that savings come into play to keep me afloat. So while you're preparing for that perfect time, part of that preparation is saving. It is absolutely key, is absolutely important. I mean, if you already have money stacked up and already saved and you're ready to go ahead and take that leap, Please do so. Please do so. But you want to prepare yourself beforehand so that when you finally do make that leap, you're not coming out of nowhere trying to establish yourself and gain a following. Yeah. I look at Instagram, for example, or even some Facebook ads or Facebook pages that have, you know, like 20,000 likes or 20 or 50,000 followers. Well, let me share a little tip with you guys, a little secret with you guys. If you, if you don't already know this, but you want to pay attention to things like that. And I'm saying that to say that everything isn't always what it seems. And what I mean is just say you follow a Facebook page that uh, they're a clothing designer. And this is not to hate on a clothing designer. It could be a photographer. It could be a, a DJ, a singer, a songwriter, or whatever the case may be, whatever your business venture is, wherever your passion lies. So just say it's a, a clothing designer or something and they have 20, 30, 40,000 likes or even a hundred thousand, a million likes, right? And you're looking at them like, man, how, how is it that they took off? Out of nowhere, I've never heard of them before, never heard of them. You go to their website, their website site is kind of bootleg, it's kind of basic. And you're like, man, you know, I've never even heard of these people, but they came out of nowhere and they're blowing up. Like, how is that even possible? Well, the truth of the matter is two things. Number one, a lot of times those companies use robots. So they're not real people that like 
that business. They might be a real person's name or something like that, but chances are they're not actual real people. They're computer generated likes by robots. It's just part of the game. It's just the way the world works now. You know, our social media, our digital world is just the way the world works now. So a lot of times all these likes that these businesses get don't necessarily equate to money, sales, profits. If that be the case, just go through your Instagram really quick and you'll see, just say you find a hundred people and all hundred people that you find have over a million likes. You mean to tell me just by perusing Instagram, you just came across a hundred millionaires? Nah, not likely. And I'm not saying that to hate. Trust me, people who know me really know me. No, I am not a hater. I want to see everybody come up even more so than myself. I'm just that kind of person. But I say this to say, if you look at somebody's Instagram and they have a hundred thousand likes or for even 40,000 or 50,000 likes on their particular page, but every time they post something, they get two responses, two thumbs up, one heart, one care, one like, maybe a comment that goes to show you right there that that's not real. So, um, you can't bank on Instagram likes and all that stuff, meaning that your business is going to be a success. My, so, I mean, you, you have to start from the bottom. I mean, oftentimes, I mean, if you're a celebrity and you know people and you already have a following and then you launch something, yeah, of course it's going to take off because you've already established that following elsewhere. You know, me, I use my photography as my platform to help launch my podcast. I think, what is it? Where, where is it? Today is April 21st, right? I want to say I launched my podcast. Um, was it January 1st or January 5th? I don't know. For those of you been following, following me, let me know, or let me just click on it. I'm sorry if you hear the clicking in the background. I'm on my computer as I'm recording this, but let me go to my podcast really quick. And yeah, January 5th, January 5th, 2021 Tuesday is when I launched. And here we are, um, April 21st, Tuesday, you know, I always launch on Tuesday at noon, April 21st, Tuesday. And I'm just now, you know, four months in just now starting to see a more rapid growth in my podcast, you know, in my listenership, my, my, my downloads. And, and once again, can't thank you guys enough for that. I really truly can't, but I'm noticing that my numbers are going up. People are actually starting to listen, I guess, because I'm coming with consistent good information that's actually beneficial to you guys is helpful. You know, I want to be helpful. I want to help you guys make your way into this world that I'm in. And, you know, hopefully my lessons, my tips and all this information I share with you guys will have you actually do better than I'm doing. That's ultimately what I want. I want to help people, you know, I want to help you guys out and share my experiences that I went through. But anyway, um, my podcast grew over time. It took a minute to grow. I could have took the route of getting a bunch of robots to show likes on my podcast. And then if you guys were per perusing Instagram or happened to go to my podcast and found out that I'm getting a hundred million downloads, yeah, that might influence people to want to come and listen all of a sudden. But if you don't come back to listen to my podcast, then it's all for not, you know, I don't want to have an Instagram page with a million followers. And every time I post something, I get two likes 
Yeah, right. I mean, who believes that? You know, that's completely unbelievable. I mean, I wouldn't believe it. I'd be like, man, I have all these likes, but it ain't turning into nothing. I haven't made a single quarter from these likes. Matter of fact, I had a photographer friend of mine have, have the same thing happen. He posts pictures and he, I think I talked about it in a previous episode. So I'll just uh, bring it up shortly, but he would post pictures. He took great pictures, excellent pictures. He posts pictures and get tons of likes, tons of likes and tons of love, but it wouldn't turn into sales. And he wondered why. And I'm like, you know, I mean, that could be people's way of supporting you without necessarily supporting you. You know, a, 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 a like to me is a thumbs up. You know, a like to me is like, oh, that's cool. You know, right on. Or I see you, you know, really quick, something like that. A little quick, short round of applause or something like that. But that doesn't generate sales. That doesn't generate sponsorships or anything like that. So um, I guess you take the uh, likes with the grain of salt. But I say that to say. Going back again, full circle to the perfect time, the the perfect time, you, you know, you might launch your business and all that and see all these likes starting to come in and generate. But I mean, all the likes will start to come in and all. But does that generate sales for your business, for whatever you're trying to put out there into the market? Or are those likes for the sake of likes? I don't want likes for the sake of likes. I want likes because people are actually paying attention to what I have to offer and they find what I have to offer beneficial. And along with you putting your business out there, getting ready to make that leap, hopefully, hopefully, and I'm, I mean, I'm saying this not as an insult to your intelligence, to your business savvy, you know, but I just say this to say, hopefully you've researched what the competition is like out there for you. You know, you, you research what you're about to dive into because right now the way the world is, I mean, everything, just about everything we do is internet based. And I mean, in the coming years is even going to be more so, you know, all these brick and mortar stores, clothing stores that you can actually go into and buy clothing. Once, <laughs> once clothing manufacturers finally get the, 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 the standard sizes correct. There'll be no need to go into an actual store and try clothes on. You know, I, I go to shoe stores and try shoes on because I wear a size 11 and a half. I go to a shoe store. They got an 11 and a half. It fits like a 10 or I'll get a size 11 and a half and it's like a 13. You know, you, you got to find that true to size by going into the brick and mortar store and actually trying them on. But once there becomes a industry standard across the board where they finally get it right, where your shoe sizes are right, where your jeans sizes are right, your blouses, your t-shirts, your dress shirts, whatever, when those are all right and all the sizes are, are a uniform, uniform across the board, then you'll be able to forego going into the actual store. You could just buy online because you know it's going to fit. So looking at the competition, you know, all these online stores, you got to take into consideration what do you have to offer that's just as good, if not better than your competitors out there in order for you to stand out, you know, and then there's pricing, you know, you got to find that right price point. There's material. You got to find that right material. Is your clothing better than the competition? You know, you and the competition got the exact same shirt or the exact same print on the shirt. They sell their shirt for five bucks. You sell your shirt for 15 bucks. How are you going to convince your clientele to pay 15 bucks for your shirt when they see the competitor selling theirs for five bucks? How? You know, better material, better quality, better stitching. 
you know, better print ink that's not going to bleed or run out um, a- after they wash it a couple of times. You know, s- stuff like that you got to take into consideration. For me, in my photography world, and you know what? I, I Yeah, the t-shirt world or the clothing design world, I, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. And if I'm wrong, you know, somebody reach out to me and tell me I'm wrong. But I'm going to say comparing apples to apples, line for line, product for product, I'm going to say if you're a clothing designer per se, you've got it easier than me as a photographer. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> and the reason why I'm saying that is because take, for example, you're a clothing designer. You make a unique piece of clothing that can't be found everywhere. It's limited edition, limited order. You know, somebody's going to have to have it. You know, for example, like those Yeezys. I think all the, I think all his clothes, clothes designs are hideous, but other people think otherwise, you know, and that's everybody's choice, just like my choice to not like it. But, you know, he's done it to the point where he made himself a billionaire. So, you know, round of applause for that man for, for doing it the way he saw, followed his dreams and made it actually happen. But same thing for you as a clothing designer. You could come up with a unique piece of clothing that nobody has that nobody can emulate and you know you have a one of a kind piece a one off piece but in comparison to me as a photographer yes i can take good pictures better pictures than the cell phone pics and trust me i don't care what anybody says trust me the cell phone pics are not as good as professional camera photos they're just not. I don't care how many filters you slap on there or whatever. When you take that picture and you look at it on the cell phone, it looks fantastic. It's supposed to look fantastic and it does look fantastic. However, when you take your own headshot for your business profile on LinkedIn and you take that headshot with that iPhone or that Samsung phone that you swear is the best phone on the market and you send that picture to me to edit. When I open that picture up in Photoshop and it and I see how pixelated it is and all those little JPEG artifacts and all the little grain in the picture and it doesn't look as filtered and perfectly smooth as you thought it did, oh, then you realize that it sucks. But prior to you realizing that it sucks, you think my world is easy. You think the photography photography world or the photoshop world is easy like oh open my picture in photoshop you've been doing it for a long time it's easy just push a button and make it look great no doesn't work that way and more importantly the most most important part this is a question for you guys if you can answer it some way somehow hopefully on some of my podcasts or some of your podcast listening pro uh apps or programs you, you can actually leave a comment and let me know how you feel about this but Have you ever truly, truly paid attention to the screensavers and the designs that are on your phones when you buy your new, when you buy your phone, when you turn your new phone on or your old phone, whatever phone that you have, when you turn it on and it has this nice little screensaver or when you put the charger in and the screen turns to some nice design, do you ever honestly ever think where that design came from? Of course not. Because it's built into the phone. But where do you think they got that design from? Somebody like me. Right? Somebody like me. But because we're so used to having it as a default feature on our phones, we don't think that it's something that should be paid for. Or that it was somebody who did it really easily. You know, they just all went ahead and pushed a button and just made this design real easy. They don't think about 
Um, somebody had to put the work in to create that design and make it look good and make it worthy to be on a whole series of cell phones. You know what I mean? So in comparison to like a clothing designer, a songwriter, or even an artist, a sketch artist, you guys got it easy compared to what I do. You know, maybe I'm too late in the game to change my career. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But you guys got it easy because I'm into the world especially now with all these nice camera phone pictures and stuff and all these auto modes in Photoshop, making it easier and easier for people to do, which is perfectly fine. I mean, you shouldn't make Photoshop that hard to where nobody wants to do it, but with everything being made so easily, it's also making people, some people disrespect or not, don't even take into consideration the effort that goes into editing photos. And let's not even talk about video. You know, I'm, I'm new into the world of video, but you know, if you ever see those 15 minute or 30 minute promo commercials, you know, for like, uh, Under Armour or something like that or Nike or anybody on those TV commercials and they're like 45 second commercials, you know, that could be like five hours worth of footage that you had to compress into 45 seconds. That's hard, man. And there's no auto feature in the world that's going to do that. So. I guess I'm saying this to say, <laughs> put some respect on the Photoshop name, on the photographer name. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing, I swear. But I just wanted to leave y'all with that uh, for something to take into consideration when you think about the work that the photographer has to do, or when you compare that to the work that you have to do as a clothing designer, you know, to establish your name, to come out with your brand or a songwriter, you know, or an artist or a baker you know, or a chef, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about diving into your future, leaving that nine to five behind in your nine to five.com, you know, when you're thinking about doing that, especially, especially with the pandemic and the hard times that we're facing, trust me. Um, there's been times where I thought about getting a nine to five to supplement my income, but again, it, it just burns a hole in my soul and I can't do it. But on those lean months when I'm not making a quarter and I'm sitting here stressing out and trying to figure out my way around this because I prepared for it in the future, I'm able to, I'm able to sustain while trying to wait for the next gig to come around or earn that next gig. And you can do it too. You know, um, I know I was a little, <laughs> a little all over the place with this podcast, but I just want to, I want to be encouraging to you guys. And I want to let you know that it, it is absolutely possible, but you have to prepare. These are not the days of the Steve Harvey's where they say, you know, I was sleeping in my car and then I got that big break. I I don't want to take that chance. You know, I don't want to take a chance of losing everything and hoping that somebody catches me while I'm living in my car, because it's a chance that even though you sacrifice everything and you ended up in your car, you still might not get picked up for that amazing gig. That's going to make you a millionaire for the rest of your life. You know, I mean, you could get picked up. You never know. I mean, we, we're out here rolling the dice every day. Every day we take a chance on making a better future for ourselves. And um, I guess the ultimate key, aside from preparing, being ready for this, of uh, for what's to come, is believing and keeping the faith. Because I'll leave you with this. I'll leave you with this. You know, I try to leave every episode with a tip or an anecdote or something. I'll I'll leave you with this as a thought. Um, and I may have said it before, or I don't know, but either way, I'll leave you with this. Just say you, you want to get into 
working for yourself. You want to be a clothing designer. And for everything that you've researched, for everybody that you know who's actually made it into the clothing design world, and you know these people personally, and this has become to be fact for you, just say it takes at least 10 years for you to become established as a known clothing designer to where you can actually start generating sales and making a living for yourself, a good living for yourself. Just say it takes 10 years. A lot of times people will say, man, that's going to be, that's going to take 10 years, man. That's a long time, man. I mean, that's a whole lot of grinding for 10 years and not making anything back in return. Well, life goes on no matter what you do, whether you work that nine to five, whether you dive in and become a self-employed clothing designer, business entrepreneur, whatever the case may be, those 10 years are going to go by regardless. So instead of letting those 10 years go by of you complaining, being afraid and not doing what you wanted to do, what your heart desire is to do, do it anyway, because the 10 years are going to happen no matter what. So then when those 10 years pass, instead of you saying, Dang, man, if I would have jumped into this 10 years ago, I'd be where I want to be. Instead, you'd be saying, thank God I followed my heart and did what I did 10 years ago. Look at where I am now. You know what I mean? So this is Ahmed. I'm Creative Roberson. I hope you like this podcast. I hope you love this episode of Can I Really Make It? Because with that story right there, with all the stories I just told, yeah, you can make it. It might be some lean months. It might be some hard months, but there's also going to be some fat months where you're going to be like, oh my God, I really made it. I really made it. Yeah. So please on your favorite podcast listening app, check out, can I really make it? Or just simply go to end your nine to five.com end end your y-o-u-r nine the number nine dash the number five dot com in your nine to five dot com and i will see you guys next tuesday at noon